When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hempresent. Our radio resident Hemposapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hempresent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to the Hemp Present Resistance, the weekly radio podcast where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat the the prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers and shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, and it's 26th year found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Today's guest on Hempresent is cannabis author, activist, and historian Chris Bennett, who will join me momentarily. Here we are, living in the present. Pretty much all convinced that we are the most sophisticated, enlightened, and educated sentient beings who have ever lived. After all, we have flat screen televisions, laptop computers, and machines that can turn gadgets on or off merely by the clapping of our hands. Our modern lives are replete with photoshopped images, digitally created music, and 3D printing machines. We have frozen dinners we can cook in microwave ovens so we have more time to watch full-length movies on our smartphones. If we don't like the way our bodies look, we can hire somebody to change them. We can order bigger boobs, thinner waistlines, or even replace the hair that's fallen out of our heads and simply charge it to our card. We must know an awful lot because nobody's ever been able to do any of these things till we came along. We live in the information age where you can type a query into a search bar and instantly get a trove of data back that could befuddle the mind of the most educated person alive. But you might ask yourself, what do we have to forget to make room for that which we know now? Are there things that we once knew that would conflict with these things that we believe today? Could it be that what we have been taught is the truth is actually just somebody's version of the truth? How much of what we know might be wrong or even fabricated lies? If we're so smart today, then why is it that we're struggling with the exact same challenges that earlier societies were struggling with throughout human history? Could there be discard in order to justify or reinforce truths that we embrace today, truths that are at odds with those of another time? How much of what we hold as truths today are merely modern myths? And what role does mythology play in humanity's ability to process and cope with this mysterious and paradoxical existence that we find ourselves unwittingly plunged into? How useful to humanity are vast amounts of technical knowledge without the time-earned wisdoms by which to translate and utilize that knowledge? My guest today has been grappling with these questions, and he has tackled some of them with a keen insight of how the cannabis plant has been whitewashed from Western history books, and more importantly, the role that cannabis and other entheogens have played in the world's religions and in ancient civilizations throughout history. 
Chris Bennett has been researching the historical role of cannabis in magic and religion for over a quarter century. His books include Green Gold, The Tree of Life, Marijuana in Magic and Religion, Sex, Drugs, Violence, and the Bible, Cannabis and the Soma Solution. And Chris currently resides in Vancouver, B.C., Canada, where he runs his ethnobotanical shops, The Urban Shaman. And he's with me today. Welcome, Chris, old friend, to him present on Cannabis Radio. Always a pleasure, Vivian. You've always been a hero of mine. I love what you're doing there in Seattle. Thank you, bro. As you know, I'm just an old hippie, so I grew up in the early 70s. I grew up reading books like Be Here Now by Ram Dass, so I have known about the role that ganja played in Indian mysticism for some time, but most people have no idea that cannabis can be a religious sacrament. You've written several books on the historical connections between natural substances and the occult, magic, religion, the supernatural. How did you get started on this journey into the mystic? What were your influences? You know, I, I think I wrote it largely to explain a religious experience I had myself 27 years ago, kind of in the early days of the hemp movement. And uh, uh, a number of uh, events had come about where I'd uh, learned about industrial hemp. And uh, one day I was, uh, you know, had a job as a night watchman and I was uh, in grew weed. I loved cannabis, but I, I didn't even know what hemp was. People didn't know the word hemp anymore. And, um, I couldn't believe it, that we could make all our paper out of it and all our clothes out of it, all these wonderful things, you know. And uh, um, and so one night I was uh, working as a night watchman and, and, and I was smoking a joint and I was reading the newspaper and there was an advertisement for a sermon by Pat Robertson. And uh, it, it was titled Revelations 18 and there was a picture of uh, Robertson there and behind me had tanks and jets. And he was tying it in with the Gulf War, which was just taking place in Iraq. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. I'm going to read the book of Revelation right now. And I read the book of Revelation, and John, in the beginning of the book there, he's given a scroll. He puts it in his mouth. It tastes as sweet as honey. And then it's bitter in his stomach, and then he begins to prophesize. And I was like, what does this guy eat? You know? And uh, uh, then I read further, and there were these references to sackcloth and billowing clouds of incense for the prayers of the saints. And I got to the end of the, the book of Revelation, and there's a verse, Revelations 22. On either side of the river of life stood the tree of life, bearing twelve manners of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And when I read that, I had this like really powerful religious experience where I felt like light just poured into me and that this was somehow a reference to cannabis. And I started thinking, oh, I guess that's what these Rastafarian dudes are talking about, you know, when they're talking about the Holy Ganja and stuff. I was kind of aware of it, but not really an interest of mine, you know. Uh, um, and so, you know, I, I called my wife up at the time and she thought I was having some sort of nervous breakdown and started crying. <laughs> and, the, and the next day I got up and I was like, well, was there anything to that? Or was I just tripping, you know? And uh, uh, um, after that, I'd look at these clear-cut mountains around my home uh, on the west coast of Vancouver Island, and I couldn't sit comfortably with not saying something about hemp, you know? And I thought, well, I'm definitely going to get out there, and I'm going to start promoting hemp for paper and making the you know, jobs and the environment uh, combination able to happen. And uh, I, I thought, if there was anything to this religious stuff, then somebody somewhere will have had a similar experience, or there'll be something about it. And I just started collecting data. Every time I read a book on cannabis and it had that type of stuff, I'd record the relevant information, and I'd just kind of compile from that. Chris, can you possibly boil down the role that cannabis played throughout history into a quick synopsis? What does your body of research teach us about our cannabis past? What's the overarching message of your books? 
Yeah, okay. You know, uh, um, when we think about a plant like cannabis, we're talking about a plant which, according to current archaeological evidence, people have been using for tens of thousands of years. And um, this is based on uh, tools used for breaking fibers of uh, cannabis uh, um, uh, off the stalks to make cloth that go back to like 24, 25,000 years. And this is from the foremost authority on uh, agent fibers in the world, uh, Elizabeth Whalen Barber. Then we have physical evidence of cannabis fibers from about 12,000 years, both in China, you know, uh, uh, um, Taiwan and in um, where Cattle Hayek was. And so, you know, obviously there's a pretty long-term relationship already taking place with these early dates. And then we have evidence of cannabis uh, burnt ceremoniously from caves in the Ukraine region going back 5,500 years. So, you know, we're talking about thousands of years. The name itself, cannabis, the root word for that is uh, canna, and that is a proto-Indo-European root word. Indo-European languages are all languages that originated from a, a much agent, more agent language, and these include French, English, German, Sanskrit, you know, a variety of languages. So even before these languages split off, the term Kana was part of this culture. And in the same region of Ukraine uh, um, were the first domesticators of the horse. And the horse, it is believed, was domesticated uh, with the use of hemp ropes that made it enable it to happen. And so these were nomadic people because they had domesticated the horse, and this led to the spread of cannabis throughout the ancient world, you know? And um, from this, it developed into a number of different religious traditions. An entheobotanical is a psychoactive substance, usually one derived from plants or fungi, but also from the secretions of animals, such as toads, apparently, that's ingested by a shaman or another participant in a ritual in order to produce visions or gain mystical insight. How do these substances relate to our modern lives? Do these substances have value to someone who's not on a shamanic journey? Well, you know, what I think is really interesting, you know, uh, um, is like how the evidence of this in the ancient world plays a role in our modern world because of uh, religions. And we have evidence of cannabis at the origins of a variety of existing religions. You know, we already know about the uh, Indian references and how it's related to Lord Shiva. And uh, in the Zoroastrian religion, there's uh, numbers of references about figures like Ardu Virath and King Vishtaspa partaking of potent uh, drafts of cannabis. And uh, the Zoroastrian religion influenced Christianity and Judaism in a number of ways with things like uh, a belief in an apocalypse and uh, heaven and hell. These all came into Christianity from Persian influences. Um, and then there's these references to cannabosum, this Hebrew term, which Sula Bennett, writing in the 30s, first suggested was a reference to cannabis. And when we take a look at this reference, for instance, I think it really brings to light like some really profound implications about how cannabis could have uh, uh, an effect on the modern world and our modern belief systems. Uh, Sula Bennett referred to these Hebrew term cannabosum and said there were a number of these references uh, in the Old Testament text. And the first of these is in Exodus 30:23, And God, who first appears to Moses in flames of fire from within a burning bush, commands Moses to make a holy anointing well. And this contained about six pounds of this cannabosum mixed with myrrh, cinnamon, and uh, into about a gallon and a half of uh, olive oil. 
And every time that Moses is to speak to the Lord, he goes into what is referred to as the tent of the meeting. It's a little enclosed tent place. And he places some of this oil on the altar of incense, and he speaks to the Lord in a pillar of smoke over that altar of incense, and he rubs some of this oil on his skin as well. Now, when you throw cannabis into that scenario, Moses becomes like a shaman, who, like a shaman in South America or Africa today, ingests a psychoactive substance and relates to that experience as a... Uh, um, as an actual event. They don't realize chemicals affecting the brain, the effects of a drug, and Moses goes into the tent of the meeting, he ponders on a question for the Lord, and then a voice comes back out of the smoke, you know? Uh, um, so, in that respect, I think that the role of cannabis in the ancient world is as much a threat to fundamental religion as Darwin's theory of evolution was to the myths of Genesis in that what it represents is the plant-based shamanic origins of the tradition itself, something the Abrahamic religions have fought against whenever they've come into contact with it elsewhere and deem witchcraft and sorcery. I am talking to Chris Bennett, Canadian author. We're going to take, as we do on our first break, the first pause for the cause because there's balls and laws here. We're from our sponsors. Come right back, and we're going to bring this conversation to the heart of the matter. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. This is Bobby Black, host of Blazin', here to talk to you about 420 Science. I've known Matt and Gary from 420 Science for over a decade. We've spent a lot of time together at the Cannabis Cups in Amsterdam, the Doobie Awards in their hometown of Austin. They were even at my wedding. And I've always admired their integrity and how they've built 420 Science from the ground up to become the most trusted online head shop. Visit 420science.com slash podcast for an exclusive deal on pipes and more from genuine people who put their customers first. That's 420science.com slash podcast. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Cannabis Radio with Chris Bennett. So, Chris, how, how can the stuff that you were just describing, this, this, this mystical ability of cannabis to induce a shamanic experience, how does this relate to modern society, to our modern use of pot? 
You know, it's interesting. I've been thinking that, about that a lot lately. Uh, I'm currently working on a book about the role of cannabis in the occult, and uh, um, uh, I've been looking particularly at these references to a couple of grimoires from the 16th century, Liber Salamanus, uh, um, Sepharaziel, and uh, um, the Book of Oberon. And both of these books have recipes for uh, cannabis ointments that are used in combination with magic mirrors. And so people would you take these substances and they stare into a mirror and eventually just kind of like Moses staring into the smoke, answers start coming back to it. And I think there's a, something about cannabis that helps us retrieve elements of our subconscious and this has to do with the dream state. You know, one of the common uh, things that uh, many people say that smoke a lot of cannabis is they dream a lot less. And this may be, I've been, you know, looking up on this, and there's claims that uh, use of cannabis in the daytime can spike normal uh, melatonin levels by as much as 4,000 times. And um, I noticed myself, you know, I don't really dream that often. I still dream. But uh, um, sometimes I've woken up at about 4 in the morning, and uh, I've ingested, you know, herb, taken some herb, vaped some cannabis, and gone back to bed, and I have the most intense, vivid uh, uh, dreams I ever get. And I, 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 I'm assuming this is because of that same spike in melatonin that people are having during the day, which kind of like gets kind of spent out and happens less at night. And um, when we think about... Might be CBN, huh? <laughs> uh, when we think about the dream state, you know, our consciousness kind of splits off in an almost schizophrenic fashion and tells us a whole story. And we're part of that story. We get told the story. It's not like when you're awake, you can tell yourself a joke. You already know the punchline. You know what I mean? But in a dream, you're all the different characters. You're the whole scene. That's all in your consciousness. And somehow you're in that. And this is like what they call the subconscious mind. And I suspect that uh, um, why we see cannabis involved in these, this sort of magic is because it somehow uh, uh, brings out the one that tells us, to, tells us our dreams at night in our the reflection in the magic mirror. And I think that is really something that, you know, cannabis brings into all of our lives in a lot of ways. It brings up sort of an esoteric feeling to life and intuition and that type of stuff. And we realize that now that way, and that's one of the attractions to its use. Chris, cannabis is experiencing quite the renaissance, but it's not a new phenomenon. What do you think has been lost to humanity through the loss of knowledge about the role psychedelics, ganja, and other psychoactive plants have played in religion? The, the truth would change the way we look at spiritual, spirituality, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think, that, that, well, I think that's what's happening. You know what I mean? I really believe that cannabis is the paradigm shift. And that just as, you know, cat and dog are kind of like ambassadors to the animal world, which help us to realize that natural life everywhere is imbued with, uh, you know, compassion and uh, a sense of love and all these types of things, that plants themselves are, the, the antheogens particularly, are a gateway which bring us back into that living universe. You know, you've got to think like the different worldview of, say, uh, uh, an ayahuasca partaking shaman in the South American jungle and the living jungle 
jungle, he walks through knowing each plant by name and its many uses compared to, you know, the average person that on a forest walk, they just see a bunch of foliage. They don't even know what that is. It's not alive in the same way. And that, you know, you take mushrooms and go on that same walk and all of a sudden things start standing out and in a sense talking to you and grasping your attention, you know. And so I think that that's really important, that this brings us back to the natural world. And that's what's really at stake because of these book religions and uh, their belief systems. And when we take a look around the world and the divisions that are taking place, they're largely based on those same things. It seems to me that people that routinely use cannabis generally, they, they, they look at things differently. They question things. They question authority. They question known truths uh, and, and become you know, kind of rebellious. Um, mm-hmm. it, it seems like the government is kind of knows that there's a threat from these substances, that these psychedelic uh, substances are a threat to, to their order. Do you think that's any factor in, in prohibition? Even I think it's more like Christians versus the devil's weed. You know what I mean? That these are inherent culturally uh, uh, religious originated biases and, and prejudices which have deemed these things somehow you know separate. And this is the same sort of Heretic. worldview that led to the witch burnings and led to persecution of peyote and mushroom cults in Mexico and uh, has seen this type of behavior around the globe, really. How much do you think that our modern mythology is just pure bullshit, or either either out, outright bullshit from the gate or only partly true as, as history often lies by omission? I mean, what, what is our modern mythology, do you think? Oh, man, you know, I, I guess, you know, like, I kind of like it in areas where, you know, kind of religion and science meet, you know what I mean? When you can see the philosophy of some mystic who has a big bang-like event for his uh, 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 beginning of the universe compared to the scientific descriptions of the big bang. And, um, you know, you know, like I've been studying religion a long time, and it's made me, I don't know, maybe less religious, but I think my own views on on spirituality you're kind of wound up with things like uh, the idea of uh, uh, the collective unconscious or the collective consciousness which Jung said he based on instinctual function in animals you know the animals some animals they can be born and they can swim right away like a sea elephant or a giraffe walk around you know the day it's born hours later um, so some animals have inherent knowledge that's been passed down genetically that, that same sort of stuff is in us and that's kind of taps us into our ancestral history, you know what I mean? And, and there's a collective aspect we can see in flocks of boor, b- birds, schools of fits, crowd hysteria, the whole hundredth monkey idea. And so it kind of connects us as well. And I think that, uh, you know, the great truths are kind of uh, religions that point toward that type of idea that we are God, you know, we are the universe experiencing the universe, you know? Yeah, I, I do. Um, let, let's quickly delve into some of your works. You co-authored, I think, Green Gold, The Tree of Life, Marijuana, and Magic and Religion. How did that book yeah. come about? I started that in the early 90s, you know, and then I, uh, um, Lynn and Judy Osborne started as editors and became co-authors. They added some uh, interesting material to the book. Um, and that was like, you know, like I said, when I first started collecting all this data about uh, cannabis and religion, you know, you got to remember at that time there was not uh, uh, internet available. It wasn't as easy to find material. Uh, um, not that I'm getting my stuff from uh, unknown websites, you know, it's all books and uh, scholarly papers and that type of stuff. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, with tools like Google Books, 
you can add a million books in one word search and uh, get right into the pages on it. So the age of uh, information has really accelerated that quest, and that's why the following book, Sex, Drugs, Violence, and the Bible, I wanted to expand on this whole uh, uh, um, idea of these references to cannabosum uh, um, being cannabis. And I took a further look at it and found, you know, in the Assyrian uh, uh, religion, there were, was uh, references to cannabis under the very similar sounding name, Kanabu, used for identical purposes as an anointing oil and burnt incense in the temple to bring on the voice of God, you know. Um, so it was identical use. And, I wa- and, and in order to really understand it in the context of the biblical storyline, because some of the references were positive, but some were very negative, I had to understand the biblical history that those, the context of those references came into, and then this led to a whole uh, wide range of stuff that involved all this crazy sex and drugs and violence in the Bible that I wrote about in that book. And then in the next book, I always had this idea that uh, cannabis was the uh, original Soma, the drink of the Vedas in the Heoma of the Persian uh, Avesta. Uh, um, But uh, archaeological evidence became available that substantially uh, uh, improved this theory. And so I started to want to really lay down the foundation and show that cannabis was, in fact, this major sacrament of the ancient world, Soma and Heoma. And I think I did a really good case of that, to tell you the truth. I I feel really confident about how I've laid it out. Chris, the the government of Canada has released proposed bills that would legalize and regulate the commercial sale and adult use of marijuana in your country of cannabis, establishing 18 as the minimal legal age to purchase uh, and create a legal framework for production, sale, and distribution. Your comments? Well, you know, it's, you know, how it is with legislative politics. You know, great optics worldwide, Canada's legalizing cannabis to the average Canadian. It probably means much. But the way that they've done it is they're basically, you know, already a, 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 an existing cannabis industry, even under uh, um, a prohibition here in Canada. In Vancouver, where I live, there's probably over 150 dispensaries, all of them running quite fine and adequately without any problem. Uh, um, even on the municipal level, these people have been given, some of them have been given licenses, things like that. The federal government wants to totally quash all that and uh, um, uh, reissue its own licensing process. And, uh, um, you know, this means they're basically, you know, as much as there's legalization, it's also a corporate takeover. And so because of this, there's opposition in the wider cannabis community who see the industry they've created being taken over by corporate interests. I'm talking to author Chris Bennett. We're going to take our second pause, hear a word from our sponsors and advertisers, come back for our final questions. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on, and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com 
The 2017 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo makes its way back to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, April 21st to the 23rd at the Fort Worth Convention Center. Register right now at swccexpo.com slash Texas. Check out over 150 exhibitors showcasing their businesses and the new advances being made in medical and legal cannabis markets. Plus, hear from an all-star lineup of celebrities, former football players, medical professionals, and more. Join thousands of curious cannabis consumers just like you at the 2017 Southwest Cannabis Conference and Expo, Dallas-Fort Worth. Last-minute registration is open now at swccexpo.com slash Texas. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we're back on Hemp Present with our final questions for Chris Bennett. Uh, Chris, I is it Urban, Sh- Sh- Urban Shaman Entheobotanicals at 307 Hastings Street, West Vancouver, B.C.? Is that the main store? Uh, it's West Hastings Street in Vancouver, B.C. Yeah, that's the main store, 307 West Hastings. And uh, we've been there for like, I guess, 16 years now, providing uh, entheogens and natural relaxants to the, the Vancouver people. Unfortunately, I cannot do mail order into the United States of America. So um, what's, what's next for Chris Bennett? What are you working on right now that people can, uh, can look for, and how can people find out more? I'm working on a book called Libra 420, Cannabis and the Occult. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, really interesting stuff about uh, cannabis and medieval alchemy and magical grimoires. It's a two-volume set. Volume one, I'm hoping, will be out in the next year or so with Trying Day uh, Publishers in Oregon there. And uh, they also did my book, Cannabis and the Soma Solution. And that's basically, you know, I'm giving the odd lecture and that type of thing, but uh, basically working on that book as I have been for the last couple of years. How can people find out more? Uh, friend me on Facebook uh, or follow me. You know, always happy to uh, have new people on there. And uh, if you need to get a hold of me directly, uh, theurbanshaman at hotmail.com. And, yeah, that's, that's about it, really. Chris, your body of work is just so impressive. It's, it's such critical stuff. Uh, it's, you know, amazing the niche that you've carved out. We have so much to learn from, your, uh, from all of your research. Thanks so much for being on Cannabis Radio and Hempy Trails to you, my brother. My, thank you, my brother from a giant like you. That's a real compliment. <laughs> Back at you, man. Take care. Now I want to get to a weekly feature of Hemp Present on CannabisRadio.com. That's the quote of the week. And this week's quote is this. If mankind tomorrow it would divide into groups, each would scramble to invent their one and about butchering each other. And that is Voltaire. That concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. I want to thank Brasco, my man in the control room, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for more reefer repartee and cannabis confabulation with some special hempo sapien on a journey to justice. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Till then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and take it easy. And don't forget to email me at hempresent.com 
at gmail.com or just send me money. The 10% theme song, Take Back the Plants, performed by Stickerbush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.